It's time to seriously talk about being single. Hello everyone and welcome to Seriously Single. I'm your host Brianne Hogan and I'm single and I've been single for most of my adult life. And guess what? I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. Enough with the shame, sadness, and stigma. Let's claim and celebrate our single badass selves. Seriously Single is a show that dives into everything that's amazing about being single and even the things that aren't that amazing about being single. From dating to sex to finances to living alone, traveling solo to having your parents be your case of emergency to everything in between, we're going to get into it. So let's go. It's time to seriously talk about being single. Hi, and welcome to Seriously Single. I am your host, Brian Hogan, the Seriously Single Dating and Relationships writer. And I'm also really into spirituality. I don't think this has come up so much in the show, although I think when you hear me talk about my perspective on life and my attitude towards life in general probably comes across as, you know, being a little woo-woo, uh, which is fine. I, I wear that badge proudly. I'm very into spiritual modalities. I have two books about astrology that I've written, Joy in the Stars and Friendship Signs. So obviously astrology is something that I'm very passionate about. I'm very into listening to intuition and meditation and co-creation. And another modality that I have been really curious about and learning more about over the last few years is human design. So we're going to get into human design in the episode with today's guest, intuitive mentor, writer, and human design expert, Jess Bubico. And I love this episode because I'm all about integrating different techniques and ways of being to better enhance your life in all ways. And it's not just, you know, like learning about astrology or learning about human design to obviously like leverage your career or just live a more fulfilling life, but also how to better approach your dating life, for example. You know, like you can use these tools that are available to us to put a whole different spin on like who you are, make sense of why you do what you do and make it work for you. Because I think, I think that's the key to everything or what we really are, are striving for or at least want is how do we make things easier on ourselves? And I really do think the universe is on our side. It really wants us to tap into ease and flow. And to me, that means that we are more in alignment with who we truly truly are and working with who we are and the gifts that are natural to us and the energy that is natural to us rather than thinking we need to adapt to other people's expectations or other people's energy or whatnot and human design I think is one of those modalities that really for me anyway helped me make sense of like oh like this is why I am the way I am this is why I'm so spontaneous or so full of energy or so prolific and so and so different and when when and when I do follow my intuition and I'm just so like totally like into something without any logical explanation that's why things just speed up for me and why things like just happen to just fall out of the sky and synchronize so easily and these are things that like the mind can't really explain but that's okay we don't have to always explain everything, especially if our life is working for us, which is, I think, the whole point. So this is why I really loved my conversation with Jess. We talk about being single. We talk about how human design has helped us embrace who we are and has helped us live a more aligned life. And she also goes through like what is human design and the different profiles and authorities and strategies don't worry if you don't know what that means. You will by the end of this episode. And I hope my takeaway for you from this episode is for you to be curious about who you are and dive a little deeper into your human design and let your true self guide you to what really lights you up, what makes you you, and so you can make the best aligned decisions and choices for you in your single life and in your dating life. So here we go. Hi, Jess. Welcome to Seriously Single. Thank you so much for having me here. 
So my first question that I ask every guest is, are you currently single? I am currently single, yes. Okay, okay. We've had a fair mix of people who were single and not single, so it's always great to chat with both, but since we're both single, it kind of makes the conversation, I think, that much more like relatable. <laughs> totally, yeah, 100%, I agree. So, okay, may I ask, how long have you been single? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. So I have been single since about 2019 and I have, but I've been dating. I took like a dating hiatus. I don't know if you've ever had one of those experiences in your life where you have an experience and you're like, I just need to come out of the game for a little bit and just like take time to myself. So I would say probably like 20, I started dating again, like end of 2020 ish. Um, and have been dating ever since. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So when, so when you say dating, is it like literally like going out on dates, like situationships? What's the deal? (laughs) I would say going out on dates. I, I tend to be someone, uh, I don't, I don't know that I've ever had like a situationship. I think I've tended to in my life, um, I'm like, okay, if I'm, I'm not interested or I'm not into it, I'd rather just be by myself, uh, than kind of be in a complicated situation. And that's not, you know, I know for some people, some people really enjoy like having that intimacy and that connection. Um, but for me, it's like more of like, I'm either dating and in a relationship or I am seriously single and just like going out on dates with people. Okay. Okay. So do you want a relationship? Like, is that your standard? Like, you're just like, I'm either going to be, we're either going to be committed or I'm just going to just do my thing. Yeah. I mean, I would love to be in a relationship, um, which is why I am like out there actively dating. Um, but I honestly like, gosh, if a psychologist is listening to this, they're probably like, um, we got some things to talk about here. Um, but I, I, Yeah, it's, I'd love to be in a relationship. I'm not currently in one. I haven't found anybody that I want to spend a ton of time with as of yet. Uh, I'm like a big friend person, which I'm actually curious to hear about this from you. It's going to be interesting to have this conversation and talk about human design and kind of hear the differences between your design and my design because we have very different profiles. So I'm excited to kind of talk about how you see dating and relating and being single. But for me, I, I'd love to be in a relationship. I just haven't found anybody that I want to be in one with. Right. Currently. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. fair. And I think that's, I think that's actually really refreshing because I find what I, when I do research, because I write a lot about dating and just by just observing whether I'm in like, um, let's just say I'm in a Facebook group for book, for book stuff or hiking stuff. And then women are talking about relationships and it just feels like a lot of people, especially women feel, I don't know, maybe men feel this way too, but I can only speak from a female perspective that, that, uh, they want to be dating somebody. They just want to be dating someone. They feel less than if they don't have someone in their life or they go back to an ex. Hey, I've, I just got out of a very long situationship with my ex from like 15 years ago. So Mm -hmm. no judgment, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) but I just find that there's a lot of pressure about just having someone around, like someone even in the wings, that type of thing. So I think it's important to hear people like yourself or women like yourself to say, you know, like I'm okay being single. Like I don't need to date someone or you are actively dating, but you need, you don't need to date someone for the sake of dating someone. Yeah. I'm, I'm a really big community person and like we got connected via Lydia, um, who's a mutual friend and like she and I hang out all the time. We're always doing things like we're always going out and meeting new people and networking. And like, I have so many, like I have a bunch of other really good girlfriends down here. And so for me, I love spending time with people, but I am very much about, um, quality connections. So I'd rather spend my time I'm not so much worried about, and I say all of this with understanding that each of us is very different in how 
in, in what we want and what we desire and what's important to us. But to me, it's very important to feel like I have people in my life I resonate with mm-hmm. than, than, um, and then anything else. Like to me, it's very much like a quality over having, just having someone there in my life. Um, but we're, yeah, there's so many things with human design now that we're talking. I'm like, oh my gosh, we can talk about different definitions and things like that. But I, I personally feel like relating and relationships and what the word relationships relationship means is changing and evolving Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I feel like the ways that we traditionally used to characterize a relationship, what it meant to be in a relationship is changing and evolving. I don't know that I can fully tell you exactly what I think it means, but especially as so many more people are, um, choosing to like get married later in life or, um, get to know themselves, travel, do these different things. I feel like what we see and view as a relationship is going to be evolving from what it currently looks like. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that for sure. I definitely would. And I feel like I'm a guinea pig and you're probably one of those people too. Like, I feel like I'm a guinea pig for that. Like, I feel like that's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why, you know, I'm writing my Substack or the book proposal that I put out in the world. And we'll see if that becomes like a book is because like, I'm kind of speaking as an outlier of this kind of like lifestyle. That's not exactly like societally, socially acceptable yet, but I feel like more and more people are doing it. We're just not really talking about it so much. Totally. And, and not to, not to like knock relationships because again, I think relationships when they're built on a really solid foundation of connection and depth, um, are incredible. But I do think when we look at things like the divorce rate and things like that, it does beg the question when we say, okay, about 50% of people are getting divorced. The question that I ask is like, well, then in what ways and then you look at the people that aren't divorced, but maybe are not as happy in relationship. I ask the question of like, so what's trying to change and evolve in this situation? How is like marriage and, and um, you know, love trying to evolve and change if that's sort of the statistic that we're looking at? Yeah. And I think really what it comes down to is more and more people are, are becoming more aware of trauma and they're more mm. aware of, of self-evolution and self-actualization. And I think we're learning more about ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, and we were talking about that before we got on the call because we're going to talk about human design, which I think plays into this topic right now, because people are learning more about themselves and wanting to learn more about why they, why they are the way they are, knowing that they are different from maybe how they grew up and maybe what society told them, their family told them. So people are more interested in being like, okay, well, who am I? Like, not what people are telling me who I am, but who am I really, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that I've found to be really interesting over the last couple of weeks is um, I've had a couple of men reach out to me who are specifically, so like I'm 34. So I've had a couple of men reach out to me um, And say, you know, I started out as a speech therapist and then I started doing intuitive work and talking a lot about intuition and how do we follow our intuition. And I've had in the last two weeks, yeah, two men from like my past that are around my age reach out to me and say like, hey, I've been following your stuff on Instagram. I'm for, you know, for however long I'm super intuitive. Like I've never really understood this. Like I'd love to understand more about my intuition and like what this means. I find what you're talking about intriguing. And so I do feel like we're kind of at this tipping point where more and more people are, as we know, with this like awakening that we're all going through, starting to inquire and think not just about like, am I going to live that traditional life and have the house and the kids and the this and the that, though those might be important values, but it feels like it's built upon Um, a foundation, like you said, within self first and understanding self first to then be able to show up um, more fully in relationship to another. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're questioning too, like just old paradigms, why we've always thought that that was the dream or that's the thing that we should do or should have. 
and also question like, yeah, the shoulds, like you should marry at this time. You should have a kid. You should have a mortgage. You should date only this type of a person or who's this age or who's this tall or, you know, like we're just kind of, I think we're in the age of Aquarius. Like we we really are now. So it's just, we're literally, I think just breaking down like old stuff that we don't need to abide by anymore, which is exciting. Totally. I actually have a question for you. And you've been writing about dating and relating and relationships and all this for quite some time. What have you seen really shift and change over the last few years? It's funny because I I think the actualization, the, the spirituality part is trending more than ever, but trying to get someone to buy a story in traditional media it, about that is super tough. So yeah. I, I think as a person who like interacts with the community that I have and Lydia is a part of that community and just people who are in this world that we talk about like bigger, deeper things and spiritual things, I think I see a shift and I think there definitely is. And I think astrology, for example, because that's become so trendy and human design is, is there too, getting there where people are talking it, about it more and more. And I think you can see that shift, but trying to integrate the two into traditional media is hard. Like I, I pitched, I pitched stories. The one thing I will say that has changed has been the topic of female sexuality. We Mm. talk about female sexuality way more. We talk more about just, and we're way more open about having sex and how women can have sex and, and just for pleasure, not for procreation and talking about masturbation more openly talking about sex toys. Now like sex toys are everywhere. And yeah. I remember when I started talking about or writing about that stuff like 10 years ago, oh my, I, you couldn't see sex toys. They weren't really around, like, or you didn't talk about oh. them anyways. They're totally taboo. So I find that kind of exciting because at least, at least we can talk about that totally <laughs> more yeah. openly without shame, mm-hmm. even though I think a lot of women still feel shame in that realm. But again, I think it's like that whole path of I was saying like, realizing who you are, what you like, and that's related to sex too. And so that's all about getting to know yourself rather than whatever we've been reading before, like, or hearing from a stupid school curriculum that didn't know anything except for putting a condom on a banana or something. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just, I feel like, um, a lot of things kind of have to like develop roots before they grow the plant on the surface. And I feel like every person who takes the time to submit an article that has to do with spirituality and astrology, and then it doesn't, maybe it gets denied for a period of time. It's like over time, you're going to see that that's a trend and that that's something that wants to be out there more and more. So I feel like everyone that I know, even who's like, man, it feels hard to pitch people with spirituality. Cause I hang out with a lot of people who do PR and things like that. It's like, yeah, but and and eventually, I mean, just seeing how it's catching on on social media and, you know, in the younger generations, I feel like it can't help but take root at some point. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're seeing it more and more. I feel like it will definitely shift. We're having more conversations, I feel, that are just way different than what people had even five years ago, 10 years ago, like the conversations about evolution and we're t- like I said, even just talking about trauma, even talking about healing, talking about attachment, attachment style. It's huge. Everyone knows about what attachment style is now. Five years ago, yeah. we weren't talking about attachment style, you know? So I think it's, it's shifting quicker than it, it than it ever has been before, which is yeah. really exciting. And I think it's only, I think it can only bode well for people to choose themselves before choosing a partner. Yes. Yes. Yeah, especially as we're able to sort of meet our own survival needs, not everybody, but more and more people are able to sort of meet their survival needs on their own. I mean, if you want to raise a family, I think a lot of people are like, you got to have a dual income household for most of the better part of uh, America at this point in time. But um, I think a lot of people are, uh, as they're waking up and realizing that marriage and relationship is is less of a like need um, and more of a want, I think, for a lot of people because a lot of people can support themselves now. 
Um, yeah, that's all gonna, that's all gonna shift. I feel like that self-actualization piece is, is, is key here. Yeah. And it's, and it's exciting. It's exciting to get to know yourself. At least, at least I think that that could be an attitude that we can all kind of adopt because even with me over the last few years, especially during the pandemic, when I moved here to Vancouver by myself and I was literally alone, I got to know myself. I thought I already knew myself. And then I was like, I got to know myself more now than ever because I have no choice, but, and that's when I got into human design. That's when I started to dig into other um, modalities because it was the time for me. And I was asking myself all sorts of questions that I never asked myself before. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we wait for people to ask ourselves those questions. We externalize a lot, but it's, that's backwards. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Well, and I think sometimes we don't even always know what questions to ask ourselves in the first place. Like I think sometimes life experience sort of forces us. We go, we change location, we move and live somewhere else. Like we go into that transition and then we have no choice but to ask ourselves the hard questions. Like, okay, I'm at home, I'm alone. Maybe I don't have any friends at this point in time where I live. Um, and I have, I have no other choice but to face my feelings and like what, you know, what's coming up. So feel like having those life transitions and changes can spark us asking those deeper questions when you're comfortable and living around people you love being around and you know your life is comfortable you don't always feel the need to have to look beyond the surface level yeah it's true because we are like inundated with just distractions and I did find that too when I was living in my hometown and not um, near Toronto where it was like, yeah, I was living the same life all the time because it was what I knew and it was a routine. And uh, I do think like, and then I, I moved from Toronto to the East Coast of Canada before I moved to Vancouver. But I think all these moves forced me in so many different ways to just really just let go of old shit and and really dig deep into who I was. And as I said, I, I've always been self-aware. Mm-hmm. So for me to be like, oh, actually, <laughs> I didn't know that. Or I can see these patterns that I, I've always had, but I didn't know I had them. Yeah, it's um, it's gnarly work, but it's worth it, I think. Totally. You have to think you're worth it to, to do that work, even if it's yeah. hard, because it usually is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always, it always, there's always something hard, but usually the hard stuff is the stuff that, that moves the needle the most. Yeah. Yeah. So human design, let's yeah. talk about that because kind of going a little bit around it yeah. <laughs> with the self-actualization talk. So what, what got you into it? And yeah, let's first start with that. So when did you get into yeah. human design? So I got into human design in 2018 because I had started a business. I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina. I had started my business. I was working as a speech therapist at the time. And then I wanted to start a side hustle doing intuitive readings. And so I went out into the world and I just followed my intuition. And I would do readings at different stores and metaphysical shops in the area. Um, I would go and connect with friends and be like, Hey, do you need a reader at your like upcoming holiday event and things like that? And so within like the first year of my business, like for somebody who had absolutely no background in business whatsoever, uh, and was fairly, you know, fairly young, um, I started to have pretty good success and I decided I wanted to travel. And I was like, I don't know how to like put my business online. And so I started taking all these classes and doing all this stuff and somehow in the process just felt more confused than ever. Like I was like, I thought I knew, like I was following my intuition before and now I'm confused and I'm supposed to do this and it doesn't feel like it's working. And, you know, I get excited and I say, I'm going to do it and I leap and then I feel like I'm falling flat on my face. And one of my girlfriends was like, Hey, there's this thing called human design why don't I take a look at your chart and let's see if maybe we can identify why some of what you're learning isn't feeling good for you. So there were two things that she told me that like really just hit me hard. One of which was that I had something called emotional authority and we can go over the authorities, which means I should not make decisions in the moment. I need to sleep on my decisions. 
So that made a huge difference because I would make decisions, get very excited, and then I would backpedal and then I would feel guilty and it just created this whole loop. And then the next thing is she told me that I was a manifester type. And in understanding that she was like, manifestors energy works in bursts and spurts. You go through like rest cycles where it feels like nothing is happening and, you know, capitalize on the energy when it's there and recognize you're here to start stuff, but not necessarily complete it. And just learning those two things, I was like, everything started to make sense. I also, Mm -hmm. the third thing was around profile and I have a, what's called a fourth line profile, which is all about, um, working your relationships and your network for opportunities. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, this all makes sense. So once I started to learn that I've really started to realize like, other advice from other people outside of myself is either going to serve me in a way where I get to feel the information and say, oh, this really doesn't resonate with me, or it's going to help me to reflect something back to me that is true for me. Mm -hmm. And so I started to be able to learn that I had to be my own authority, whether I was out on a date, listening to somebody talk on a podcast, listening to a teacher share something, Everything was here to teach me something, but I had to learn to listen on the inside to whether or not what they were saying is something that was correct for me or not. So as I started to really embody and learn my design, I, I felt like I was standing a lot more in my own personal authority versus constantly trying to follow the rules or the conditioning of the past of, you know, what I had learned. So it changed, it really changed my direction for myself. I'm a one three generator, mm-hmm. and my authority is sacral. The, the sacral, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The sacral thing. So let's go talk about the authorities because yeah. they're they're important. And so um, it's been hard for me. I, I wouldn't say hard. It's just a shift in terms of what I'm conditioned to to make decisions with. Because I think we're all kind of taught to make decisions with our minds and with mm-hmm. logic and pros and cons and like, well, that, and, and the sacral is all about your gut and what lights you up. And someone actually, I was talking to another human design expert and she, she made the the connection for me that is related to the sacral chakra, which I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God. I was like, that makes most, so much sense. So it's like your pleasure and what lights you up and, and what makes you feel good and in your body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh Yeah. The yep. opposite of what we're actually taught to make decisions with. So, yeah, a hundred percent. Let me ask you this before I go into it. What changed for you knowing that? Do you feel like it's easy for you to connect with your sacral authority? It makes it easier for me to make that connection. So I'm not saying I'm, I always lead with my sacral, which I should, but I'm again, it's the deconditioning of what I've been taught. And I'm also a Capricorn. So mm-hmm. Capricorns are super logical and super <laughs> like organizational. And so then I have this other part of me who is just like, fuck it, just do it. Just do the thing that makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah. So it's a fight. It's a still a fight. I'm still like, there's still a resistance there, but there is a part of me, honestly, Jess, I, I will blow shit up. Cause I'm just like, if I'm tired of something, I'm like, I'll just blow a match, <laughs> just let it light a yeah. match and be like, no, I'm done. And I'll go, uh, I'll go to the thing that makes me feel good. But it's a process. Yeah. It's not, I wish it was my immediate thing where I immediately yep. would go with my sacral, but it's not so much sometimes. And that's when I have to blow shit up and that's not a good thing either. <laughs> totally. Well, we'll talk about it because you also have um, something else in your design that can make it hard to, to uh, like you, you have something in your design that could make it potentially that you identify more with your mind than with your sacral. And it's just because of how the configuration of your design is, but we'll talk about that. Okay. So human design for anybody who's like, what the heck is human design? Human design is a system that basically gives you a roadmap to understand how your energy works. If your body and who you are is a car, it's the manual to help you understand how your car drives, um, what kind of gas to put in it, Uh, where the gas pedal is, all that kind of stuff. So it really helps you to understand how you are uniquely designed to drive and navigate through life. If you think about when you were born, most people and most parents um, are going to, uh, maybe, I don't know, could be different now. And it's not, certainly can't use as a blanket statement to say everyone, but most parents are trying to give their child 
their um, manual and how their car runs. But the problem is that most people, when they're born, their mom is, um, you know, a Tesla. Their dad is a Chevy pickup truck and they are like a Jeep compass. Hmm. And so the manual for these two cars, the Tesla and the pickup truck are not going to work for the Jeep. And so we end up having exactly what you just said, conditioning. And so you go through life and maybe just depending upon your experience and your trauma and different things like that, you might go through life trying to be a Tesla your whole life and trying to operate like a Tesla because that's how you were taught to move through life. And maybe every time you didn't operate like a Tesla, your mom got frustrated with you or your dad got frustrated with you or whatever it may have been. So we hold this conditioning that oftentimes many of us are trying to be what we are not and operate in ways that we are not designed to. And so when we come into these realizations, most people, it happens in their 20s at some point or maybe early 30s uh, or 40. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody develops differently. But when we when we leave the home and we find ourselves on our own, we often have to say to ourselves, wait, why isn't this working? Like, why isn't this person's way of living working? Why am I working a job that I hate? Why am I in a relationship that doesn't feel good? Um, and we have to ask ourselves those hard questions of like, is this what I actually um, want for my life? Is this what works for me? So what human design does is it takes us and it puts us back in the driver's seat of our car and it helps us to understand how our car operates. And like all things, it's going to take time and deconditioning. They say in the human design system, it takes seven years to decondition from, you know, trying to operate in the way that somebody else has, you know, your parents, your friends, your teachers, whoever have operated throughout life. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So what we look at in human design, human design is very deep and there's lots of different aspects of human design that we can go into to understand ourselves. But there's really two main aspects of our human design that if we just understood these two things and we worked on following them in our lives, it would really help us to um, self-actualize, if you will, and to, to move ourselves forward in a way that really works for us. So those two pieces are called our strategy and authority. We've been talking about authority, which I can touch on, and strategy is really important because it helps us to understand um, how the universe kind of moves us forward, right? We've all been taught to like just do it and just go for it, but our strategy is here to go. Like we're not all designed to just do it. We're all designed to be moved forward in our lives in a different kind of way. So we have... Man, we have five types in human design that have five different strategies. The strategy of what's called the manifester. If somebody looks up their chart and they're a manifester, they're here to really like follow their urges. So I'm a manifester. I'll get this urge that moves through me. It's not an idea. It's not this like excitement. It's this feeling that's like, I have to go and do this. So maybe like, I'm like, I have to go to Spain and go on this retreat. Or I have to launch this program. And they'll just kind of come at different points in time. And so instead of going, it would be a really good idea to launch this program because then I'll make a lot of money like so-and-so did. Or mm. it'd be a really good idea to date someone like from high school because my best friend's dating someone from high school. And so that would be fun to be able to go on dates together. It's like, no, you have to follow when these sort of urges come through your body and are moving you forward. Because those are the things that are likely to yield the most um, success, peace, satisfaction, and joy in your life. Mm. Generator types like yourself, um, so generators and manifesting generators, are really designed to, um, instead of pushing forward in life or trying to make things happen, they're really designed to respond to life. So this is about going out doing things that you enjoy, doing things that fill you with joy, and then noticing um, when an opportunity comes or um, even like a person. You could be sitting and talking to a person. That's something that's showing up for you to respond to an opportunity, a person, 
an event, honestly, the laundry sitting on the floor is something to respond to. It's about being really engaged in life and um, doing what you enjoy, following your creativity, following your heart, and noticing what starts to show up in your sphere for you to um, respond to. So you don't have to constantly be pushing and hustling and making things happen. Um, projectors are here to be called what we call as being invited. Projectors are here to um, put themselves out there, go and pursue things that they love and notice who recognizes them and invites them to share themselves and their wisdom, what opportunities kind of pull them in um, and invite them in. And then when we look at reflectors, reflectors, they say they don't have an authority, but they do, or they don't have a strategy, but they do have a strategy. They are here to go and be in environments that they enjoy being in um, and spend quality time in those environments and see what opportunities um, sort of, again, come into their sphere as a result. Mm. So we don't need to all be pushing We don't all need to be making things happen. For most of us, we need to be paying attention to what's happening in our environment. And then we have to follow our authority, which we can go into. Thoughts on that or questions on that before I go into the authority piece? No, I would only say for people wanting to know how they figure that out is that it's based on your birth chart or your birth time and your birth date, I should say. Yeah. Yes. And we can, I can give you a link as well that you can put in here for people to look up their human design chart. Um, so that's kind of how we drive our car forward. We don't need to be pushing and hustling all the time. We just need to be kind of putting ourselves out there when mm-hmm. the energy is there. So then we each have an authority. So like you were talking about, if somebody looks at their human design chart and they have like sacral authority as an example, you're really here to, to pay attention to, there's a few ways sacral authority shows up. What fills your body up with energy and excitement, like from the inside? So if somebody said to you, like, Brianne, uh, maybe you submitted your book proposal and then you had like three companies that are three publishers that came back to you and were like, we each want to have you write a book for us. You'd pay attention to which opportunity gets you really excited from the inside out. Mm. So it's going to kind of fill you with life force energy. I've noticed with generators, when you're talking to a generator and they're quote lit up, that's what the feeling they describe is. There's almost like light coming out of their eyes. They're excited. They're animated. Their energy is moving forward. Mm. So as a generator, you kind of have to pay attention to, does this give me energy That feels like I want to go and do it. I want to go and pursue it. I feel lit up and excited. And you have to pay attention because some people, it's not coming from your head. Like inspiration is very different than that feeling of, I have the energy to go and do this and pursue this. Mm -hmm. So if you're around somebody and they're talking about something and it excites you, your mind might be really excited and then you leave the situation with that person and that excitement is gone. Yeah. A generator will continue to feel lit up by something even when they leave the person that they're talking to. Mm, okay. Does that resonate for you? Yes, it does. Uh, but I mean, as I was saying before, it's like a whole other way of like, as you were saying with the car analogy, like the whole other way of like driving a car. I mean, I know, I am a generator. Like I can generate shit all the time, but there's a difference between, uh, as you were saying, like what actually lights me up versus what I can actually do because I can do a lot like generators. I have a lot of energy, but I know that my energy gets depleted when I'm not doing the things that I really want to do. And that, and knowing that about the generator and the frustration that comes when we're not doing what we want to do, that's helped me. Uh, really discern between the things that I should put my focus on. And that's what I was saying when I was like, I want to blow shit up because I've taken on stuff that I shouldn't have anyway, but I did because Mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't lit up by it, but I did it anyway. And then it just Mm -hmm. compounds. And then I'm just like, fuck this (laughs) and I don't want to do it. And, and then I know it's taken away from my joy and I'm not happy. And, and then it just becomes a whole thing. So yes. To answer your question, yes, it makes sense, but do I do it? Not 100% of the time. (laughs) 
Well, and the beauty with human design is it's an experiment. So we're all supposed to be experimenting with this. We're not supposed to do it perfectly. And I think this actually is something that could really revolutionize the dating industry because think about how many people are like, I knew in my gut it wasn't right to get married, but I did it anyways because I yeah. wanted to get married or I wanted to be in a relationship or I wanted to whatever. I think being able to pay attention to our bodies as it relates to dating uh, is extremely important for everyone. And being being able to say too, like, okay, I'm on the app and I'm swiping left or right or whatever. And instead of going based off of like, you would know this better than, than I would. So I would love to hear your experience of this, but you know, I've heard a lot of people saying, especially men like saying, Oh, you know, women are saying they want a guy who's, you know, at least six feet tall and needs to have this and that. And like, what if instead of if what if we could take all of our conditioning of what that person's supposed to look like and listen to what our body said instead, you might actually be interested in someone that your mind doesn't think is the right person for you, but your body is like, oh yeah, this feels good, you know? Yeah, I would agree. And I would have to say in my personal experience, like even recently being attracted to men whom I've never been attracted, who I would never have thought I would have been attracted to before because they're younger than me. They don't fit a certain aesthetic that I thought I was attracted to or I have been attracted to in the past. But- Mm -hmm in my body, I'm like, Oh, I, I find you really attractive. (laughs) Like what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't make sense to what I think I ought to be looking for, especially at my age or what I've known in the past, et cetera, et cetera. But also allowing myself to be like, but I am lit up by this person or I have been lit up by this person. And Mm -hmm. so why not? Yeah. You know, (laughs) exactly. You know, let yourself go and explore and, and trust that my body may know some type of truth that I don't know. And, you know, I say that as well, that I think it's, um, you know, I know there's a lot when we talk about like trauma bonding and trauma responses, I think sometimes we have to learn, be able to learn the difference in our bodies between the two as well of like, what's a trauma response versus what's my body actually being lit up and excited about. I think that that aspect is probably also just a part of getting to know thyself. Like what is truly being lit up mean versus that sort of um, perhaps like anxious pull that can pull us forward. That's like, I have to have this, or this is like, feels like fire and flames and whatever that trauma response can feel like for people. Right. I also want to add too about the generator thing for, for me, I was doing generator stuff though, before I even knew about human design. And so mm-hmm. that's what's that's what's very interesting about it because, you know, me traveling, uh, let's say across country twice, like within I don't know, like three years, both were very like yes, I'm doing it. Like I was, mm-hmm. they were not logical things. One was moving in with my parents into a tiny cabin in this tiny fishing village at 35 years old. Like doesn't make logical sense. Doesn't look good on paper. Not what a lot of people would choose to do at that age. But for me, I was like, I'm doing this feels like the best decision for myself. And I'm going to do it. And it ended up being a transformative time in my life. And I'm really glad that I did it. And it helped me in, in, in so many, so many ways. And then for me to move here, again, it was just like, I want to move to BC, Vancouver, I want this job. I since quit that job, but whatever. But because I had such a visceral like response to that, I got the job within six weeks. I moved here within six weeks. Like everything was really mm-hmm. quick. It was very quick following those mm-hmm. instincts. It was like bing, bang, boom. It was very quick. And it was like, as you said, the universe is talking through you. And it was talking through me and through my mm-hmm. body. And it happened very quickly. And I find that when you are really attuned to whatever your authority is, whatever your strategy is, I think things move fast because you're like in alignment with who you are. Yes. So you're just like, yep. And you do it. And then it happens. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, I love what you just said because a lot of people don't know their strategy and authority and they live an aligned life. You don't need to know human design in order to live your strategy and authority. You just, uh, it's just a tool that can help to reflect back to us 
yeah. how we operate for the moments when we forget. And I do find that when it comes to our strategy and authority, sometimes it's harder for people to follow their strategy and authority in some areas of life mm-hmm. versus other ones. So as an example, if you have a lot of conditioning around what a relationship should be, it might be harder to follow your strategy and authority. But if you've followed your gut and trusted your gut for life transitions, when you're like, I don't know, I just need to move and go here, then it's probably easier because you have living proof that it works when you follow your strategy and authority in your work. And I think that um, when it comes to our strategy and authority as well, like you just said, I don't have that job anymore. But if maybe you hadn't gotten the job, you may not have gone out to, you know, BC. And then, you know, things may not have fallen together in a certain way. So our strategy and authority is also not about being perfect at life. Our strategy and authority is about taking the next right step in the dark. We don't always know where we're going. And I think sometimes when we think we know where we're going is the moments when we actually really don't have a true idea because we think it's all going to go a certain way. Um, but following our strategy and authority is meant to to just give us the next step. Yeah. On yeah. The and I and I and I I like yeah. that perspective and I think it's very helpful. And yeah, for I really believe that because it's so true. Like I wouldn't have moved out here if it wasn't for that job. And, and now I don't have it, but I have other things in my life and I've, it's led to other opportunities and other people and it's just, it's all stepping stone. And so, and that's why, you know, it is important to kind of put that into perspective where, yeah, we do, we can lead with our authority or strategy, but it doesn't always go to plan, but that's because it's going to a different plan. Like there's always, it's always going something somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. And, and you only really need to know the next step, you know, like I will say it's, um, I, it's funny. I, my lease is up in my apartment at the end of December and just before I went to Costa Rica two weeks ago. So emotional authority is another authority, which is essentially like when the universe speaks through you and moves you. So whether it's in response or you get an urge or whatever it may be, you are designed to sleep on your decisions And until the decision kind of feels like this calm, usually the wave will either go, I'm definitely not doing that. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do it. No, I don't think I'm going to do it. You have to feel through it. And then you kind of come to a point where there's sort of this um, gentle calm inside about the decision. You may not be a hundred percent sure, but that little bit of an edge that's like, I don't know. I don't feel settled on it. It sort of goes, you sort of feel calmness. You sort of feel settled, just giving yourself time to feel through it. And if you never land on feeling calm and settled, then it might not be the right time. All of the authorities are here for timing. They're all for divine timing. So I was supposed to move and, um, Lydia, who, you know, we've both been referencing, who's amazing. Um, she was saying to me, she's like, I'm getting stressed out about your apartment. Like you haven't found another apartment. You have to move in like two months. And she's like, I'll help you find a place. And I was like, you know, I know this is going to sound crazy. And everyone says this to me, but this is how all of my, my houses, apartments work out. I will get an urge when it's going to come and nothing has, I've gotten no urges And I can't, my emotional wave can't settle on anything. So I just said, I was like, I know this is going to seem crazy and irresponsible to everyone else, but I'm just going to wait. And when I get the urge and something is going to come, I am going to follow it. Well, it turned out that my landlord ended up calling me and saying, Hey, do you want to sign an annual lease? Because uh, we're not going to be coming back this year. And so it was like in following my urge, I could have gone here to freaking Kalamazoo trying to find an apartment and driving myself crazy because I only had six to eight weeks left here. But because I know my strategy and authority, I'm like, I will be moved when it's time to go. And instead of, you know, going all over the place and I trusted it, I was like, oh, my body knew something that my mind didn't know, you know, and, and in that it saved me, I think, a lot of yeah, time and energy. for sure. See? It all worked out. Yeah. It all works out. Um, 
but for everybody who's wondering, so we have that sacral authority. If you have sacral authority, pay attention when something shows up for you to respond to. Does it give you sustainable energy that makes you want to go and do that thing? Or does it kind of give you an energy depletion or you don't even, you don't feel anything. Your body says, uh, uh, or the thought of doing it makes you feel drained or makes you feel dread inside. Emotional authority, sleep on your decisions. This is half of the world. Half the population is emotional authority. I think this is also important for sacrals to know because I think when a sacral knows that not everybody's going to make a decision in the moment, like they are often able to, and again, conditioning aside, um, you know, you can say to somebody, Hey, do you want to go to dinner next Thursday? I just need you to tell me by Tuesday. And then that gives the person time to uh, actually feel okay. through their emotional. That's, that's a good point because I'm, it's so true. I'm very, I think some people might say I'm indecisive, but I think I'm only indecisive when I'm not actually like honoring my true, my true, my true answer is probably why I, why I, I will be indecisive is because I'm actually not honoring myself, but it could, because in most cases I'm like, yeah, I already know. I either know I don't want to go or do that yeah. thing, or I know I want to do that. Thing. It's very like instant. So I do get a little annoyed with my friends who <laughs> don't give me that same immediate response. I'm like, you don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are all probably emotional authority. So I always say, just tell them, this is the day that they need a decision by um, so that I know if you're going to come or not. But it is, it's, you know, and I think it takes a level of self-trust as well to say, like, somebody could get mad at me if I say no and I'm actually truthful mm -hmm. and honest with what mm -hmm. I want or don't want. Um, and that makes us a little bit vulnerable and that's okay. Cause that's kind of how, how things go, you know, it's okay to disappoint people as long as we are, um, being truthful and honest with ourselves and obviously kind in our delivery as well. Um, okay. So self-projected authority for any of our self-projected projectors, this would be our projector people. This is all about talking out your decision. So you have to talk it out so that you can hear yourself come to a decision. So these are people who need a soundboard, somebody to talk to, um, to talk through whatever the decision is that they're making, and then they will hear themselves come to a conclusion. And that is what you should do. Our um, people who are splenic, which are projectors and manifestors, you have to trust your instinct in the moment. So a sacral person's going to get an aha uh -huh or an uh-uh. They're going to get lit up or have a depleted feeling. But when we look at the splenic authority, like you're going to have a feeling of just a knowingness that you want to do it or not. Instinctually, you're going to feel called towards something or not. Um, so pay attention to what your instincts call you towards. Um, we have mental projectors and mental projectors need to also have time to feel through and think mm -hmm. through their decisions. I find for mental projectors, it's often very helpful to talk through their decisions as well. And this goes for uh, reflectors as well, who are wait a lunar cycle. That means that they're designed to actually feel through it over time for the bigger decisions, because giving themselves at least 28 days to feel through it will be very supportive for a reflector to come to a decision. But mental projectors tend to need to talk through things, get whatever's on their mind, off their mind, and just give it time for the decision to settle. We have ego authority, which is, is your heart in it or not? You know, does your heart is your heart in it? Do you feel like you want to commit to it and follow through with whatever it is that you're doing or not? So they're kind of this like heart centered authority that they need to pay attention to if their heart's in it or not. Um, and I think I covered all of them. Yes. I think I covered all of the authorities. Okay. Yep. So when we start to put those two things together, like for you, as an example, if you were feeling really dissatisfied living where you were living and being with your parents, you might feel like your energy was starting mm. to get really drained. And then you're like, okay, uh, let me go out into the world. Let me get, get into my creativity. Let me do things I enjoy. And then notice what ideas come through that get you excited. Maybe you hear somebody talking about BC and then you're like, oh my gosh, that fills my body with energy. Like I want to check that out or I want to pay attention to it. 
um, for me, following my urges, giving myself time to rest. These are just the ways that we can start to, to honor ourselves, I think, on the most basic level with our energy. And again, kind of safeguard ourselves from maybe going in directions that aren't correct for us, that our mind thinks we should go in, be it dating, life decisions, etc., and really start to follow the path that's uniquely mm-hmm. meant for us. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And as I said, it's, it's helped me. And I still, like, I have a couple of apps on my phone. I, I refer to them just so, because it's, as you said, like the seven years, I think, yeah, I mean, I just started to learn about um, human design over the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm in the process mm-hmm. of deconditioning a lot and I still have to check back in terms of like, okay, like, what is my body saying? Am I feeling frustrated? Am I depleted? D- do I trust myself in the universe to let things come to me rather than me hustle and force them, which is what I'm actually used to doing rather than being like open yes. to things coming to and that and that includes relationships too it's not just work and projects but relationships mm-hmm. because I use and I think this is probably relatable to everyone we are who we are I feel in all areas of our life whether that's a good thing or a bad thing so if, if you're like me I'm, yeah. a, I'm a doer I'm a hustler I like my answers when I like my answers <laughs> like and I admit, I'm like mm-hmm. that with my business and I'm like that in my relationships and that doesn't always work yep. out for me. <laughs> yeah, correct. You know, I, I agree with you. And I think one of the things for me with dating is that when I have the urge to put myself out there and date, I do it. And when I don't have the mm-hmm. urge, I don't do it. And I think that for me, every time I've had that urge, I'm like, oh, ooh, I need to get on the apps and start like going out and dating again or whatever, you know, or uh, I've always ended up meeting somebody mm. that I needed to meet. But when I don't have the urge, nothing really happens. So I've had to trust as well that the way that I date in my dating journey is unique to me. It's not the way that anyone else does it, but that's okay because that's how right. it's supposed to be, you know? So when I have the urge, I go out there, I date, I meet people, I do, you know, whatever it may be. And then in the moments when I don't, I trust that I'm learning or creating foundations inside of myself that will ultimately lead me to my next yeah, great Yeah, for date. sure. And actually, you know what? You reminded me too, yeah. because as a generator, obviously having to be lit up by whatever and being excited, I hate dating apps. So I quit dating apps like 10 years ago. So basically when the apps were just becoming apps, like I was like, I was on, I was on match.com. I was yeah. on an app because it wasn't lighting me up. And every guy that I've met, because people always think now, like, how are you meeting people? How are you like, you know, getting out there if you're not on an app? Well, I do things that light me up. So I go, I go do activities. I do mm-hmm. things. I, I, I go to other events. I, I, I just immerse myself in things that I want to do. And that's where I've met people yes. because I'm doing the things that I want to do. And I'm meeting people through that way. So if there's anyone else out there who doesn't want to be on an app because that doesn't light you up that's probably a sign that you're not supposed to be on an app. You're probably going to meet your person somewhere else where you're lit up. So yeah. Exactly. And you know what? You might have one day an app comes your way and you're like, I feel Mm -hmm. lit up to go and do that. And that will be okay. Right. And I think, I think that's the, uh, that is a key part of all of this is being okay with letting Mm -hmm. things go and understanding and and being okay with doing things that maybe are not conventionally what you've been taught, but that feel correct for you and your body. And at the end of the day, each and every single one of us is a unique piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And we all fit into this world differently and no one else has the map for how you are supposed to, supposed to do life. If there is a supposed to with life, which I really don't think there is, only you can decide that. And so it takes that level of self-trust, uh, which I think we build over time, the more that we follow what feels true for us. And we see that when we follow what feels true, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. work out, Yeah, you know? Um, 
But yeah, yeah, I love that. I well, I agree with what you said too because it's true. It's true. Like I could, I could find an app one day and be like, you know what? This is the one. I'm gonna go on this app. You never know. Yeah, you never yeah, totally, know. exactly. And I think it's it's allowing ourselves to be um, flexible and almost like meet ourselves every day with new eyes. What I know about myself today may not be this. What I know about right. myself tomorrow, I might learn something completely different. Um, but yeah, that's why I think our bodies are so beautiful and so intelligent and yeah. you know, they tell us, but they, they speak and we just have to be willing right. to and, learn and, how to listen. And as you've been talking about, human design is one modality that helps us to do that. And so if people are, are curious about learning more, um, they, I think it's, I think it's worth exploring because as I said, like, I think if, if, if you are at a, some sort of a crossroads in terms of like your career or even relationships, just getting to know you, as we were saying at the top of the episode, is probably the best step to take is to get to know you before making any other further decisions <laughs> or choices. Yes, <laughs> totally. Um, okay, Jess, at the end of every episode, I have a quick little rapid quiz thing. So I'm going to I'm gonna ask, ask you some questions. <laughs> Okay. So the first one is what is your favorite memory of you being single? Mm. Starting to travel completely Mm. on my own, like, yeah, intuitively guided travel completely on my own. My first trip was like out to Italy and I just, Mm. it was amazing. Yes. I love a good solo travel. I like it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a great experience. I'm going to talk about it in another episode for sure for the podcast. Cause I think it's, it's such a cool yeah. empowering experience that I think if you haven't tried it, you should. Yeah. All right. 100%. My next question is, and a lot of people get stuck on this, but we'll see. What is your favorite single girl woman movie? Oh my God. Like an empowering movie, like, you go, girl. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really watch movies. Okay. Um, You know what? I, somebody was talking about this movie the other day. I don't know that it's an empowering single girl movie, but it's definitely a girl power movie, which is Wonder Woman. She's she's alone. Yeah. 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 (laughs) She's Eat, pray, love. I mean, like, I feel like almost all movies, somebody ends yeah, up I with Yeah, I mean, somebody. in Wonder Woman, she does have the guy. Uh, I forget him. I forget his name. But she's mostly yeah. independent and doing her thing. Yeah. It's okay. She's got a yeah. chair on the side. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so in the same it. vein, so what is, like, a bad bitch single woman anthem song? I mean, Single Ladies by Beyonce. I know that's like a little cliche, but I feel like yeah. that's the ultimate one. I think it's a good one. Okay, so what are the things that you take most seriously mm-hmm. in your life? Mm. Um, uh, friendship is really important to me and like my close relationships. And I would say sleep and mm. sunrise. Like going to like getting good sleep and then going to sunrise in the morning. Yeah, that's good. I haven't been doing too yeah. much of that lately, so I've been thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and my last yeah. question is, what is your like wish for single women? Like a single woman, like what would you be your greatest wish, greatest hope for someone? Mm. To really love and know themselves and... I think to to really listen to their intuition and trust in their decision-making process. I think a lot of people don't trust themselves and what they feel because they're like, well, but this person's a good person or, uh, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't leave or, well, he's not like this. So I should, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I think in the dating process, I I know you didn't specifically ask about this, but this is what I feel to be true right now. It's like people just trusting and listening to their bodies through the process, even if it doesn't make sense. Okay. 
Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Amazing. So Jess, where can people connect with you and find you in the internet world? In the <laughs> interwebs, you can find me at Jess Bubico on Instagram or JessBubico.com. Thank you, Jess, for coming onto the show. It was so lovely to chat with you about all things human design. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. If you seriously loved what you heard today, I would seriously appreciate a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help the show grow. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, or if you're single and would like to apply to be a guest, please email seriouslysinglepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to my Substack newsletter, briannehogan.substack.com, where you can get all the latest updates and essays and writings about relationships and being single, as well as listen to an extended version of the podcast where me and a guest will answer your questions. Plus, there's just like a lot of cool stuff on my Substack. Like if you think I'm super vulnerable and open on the podcast, well, you haven't read one of my essays yet. So thanks for being here and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Seriously Single.